Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good. So we, as Pastor Sam just said, we are in our series called Heaven's Heroes. And last week was great. I, I was up with the kids, so I didn't get to listen to it live, but I listened to it on the podcast, which you can download on iTunes every, usually every Monday, and then the video's up later in the week. So if you ever miss, you can always check it out. It's great. We love it. And it was a great word last week, and we talked about Abraham and walking by faith and not by sight. Now, there's going to be a theme kind of throughout, an unintended theme. I don't think Pastor Sam set out to have this happen each week, but as I was studying the life of Joseph and preparing, I found that the same thing that made Abraham a hero is the exact same thing that made Joseph a hero. And the same thing that made Joseph a hero is basically going to be the same thing that makes each and every person that we study in these next eight weeks a hero. And what is that one thing? Faith. There we go. Thank you, Josh. It's faith. And that's just, that's how it's going to be. The, the faith is the key and it is the secret to being a hero, to being a, a powerful Christian. And so while I don't want to preach Pastor Sam's message, it might overlap because you can't get away from it. All right. Well, I am a children's pastor. That's what I do. Every Sunday, I work with your children. But of course, this is first Sunday. Supposed to be my Sunday off, but I guess not. I want to be up here talking with you guys. But I can't get away from teaching for the kids. I love it. My wife and I, we've been doing it for the past year, and it's been awesome. And so this morning, we're going to do things a little bit differently. All right, we're going to have kids' church this morning. And I know some of you more mature, more seasoned veterans of the faith might think that's a little silly. But I I, I want to propose this to you. First of all, kids' church is not just for kids. Reason number one. One, you're only as young as you feel, right? I just had a birthday. And to me, that birthday feels very, very old. It's very sad to think that I am no longer in my mid-20s. I'm now in my late 20s, and I'm well on my way to being 30, and it's it's heartbreaking. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're still a baby. I get it. I, I understand. But for me, and I'm sure think back to when you turned 28, for those of you who aren't there or who, who have surpassed that birthday, I'm sure you thought the same way I thought at the moment that, oh my gosh, I can't believe 30 is right around the corner and it's harping. So I just had a birthday. So I need this today. I need to feel young. So if you need to feel young, today is for you. We're going to have kids church today. But also, it's not just a mental principle, but it's a theological principle as well. See, Jesus said that we need to have faith like a Little child is the children that will inherit the kingdom of heaven. When the little children came to him and Peter and the other disciples, the more mature, seasoned members of the faith, they shooed the children away and Jesus rebuked them. He said, no, stop. Let the little children come unto me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to have kids church this morning and you're going to love it. I guarantee it. All right. Well, to start things out, we always, kids, what's the first thing that we do? We got to go over the rules, all right? Now, there are rules in church. I don't know if you knew this or not, all right? And we have four rules. They spell out S-N-O-W. It's very easy to remember. The first rule is what, kids? Stay in your seat. All of you have a chair. Stay in that seat unless you feel the need to give me a standing ovation, in which case you may get out of your seat. I applaud it. I encourage it. 
Rule number two, what's the N stand for? No talking. See, the kids, they, they're on the ball. No talking. Again, when I'm talking, you don't. Unless, of course, you want to, you know, give me an amen or a yeah, brother, or you go, sister, or whatever you want to say. I don't know what you want to say. But if you want to talk back, you can as long as you're encouraging me. And I, I, I like the, the give and take. But other than that, no whispering to your neighbors about lunch. It'll be, it'll be there soon. Uh, no talking. What's, what's, the, what's the zero or the O? Obey all leaders. You guys, some of you might be older than me, so I'll obey you today. And what's the W stand for? Now, most likely I won't. This whistle means freeze. If you hear a whistle, I'm probably not going to, I actually don't even have my whistle today, so we can just ignore that one for now. But those are our rules. But of course, after our rules, kids, what time is it? Game time. So can we play a game in church? Can we, is it all right if we have a little fun in church this morning? All right, we're going to play a game. So this is a team game, and you are working with the people in your section. So this section against this section against this section. And it's, it's, it's a scavenger hunt. I'm going to call out an, an item, some simple item that hopefully somebody has on their person. And the first team to grab that item and run it up to me will get a point. And the first two, three points is going to be the winner. So you might have to get a little close this morning. You might have to move a little close, just for a little bit, just for a few minutes, just for a few minutes, just get a little close. All right, are we ready? First thing that I need is a tube of chapstick, not lip gloss, not lipstick, but chapstick. Oh, and the pretty girl on the front row gets it first. All right. <laughs> she did not know. We actually, truthfully, truthfully, I planned a different game. That she, we planned a different game, and then I forgot to get it ready. So, chapstick rule. All right, that was a warm up round. How's that? Warm up, warm up. All right, warm up round. But all I'm saying is, sometimes at church it pays to sit closer to the front. I'm just saying that. All right. So I need a sock that is not white. I need a sock that is not white. Some, oh, we've got a, we've got a sock. All right, fresh, fresh off the foot. Here you go. There's your sock bag. All right, one point for over here. One point for over here. Next, I need a comb or a hairbrush. A comb or a hairbrush. If you have, hey, all right, very good. We got one over here. We're tied one to one. Next, I need a pair of sunglasses. I need a pair of sunglasses. First, pair of sunglasses. Oh, 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 oh no. Oh, it was him. It wasn't me. I promise. He dropped them. It wasn't me. We have a pair of sunglasses. Two points for the team over here. All right, guys. Middle, middle group. You guys got to get excited or something. Get, come on, come on. Get excited. I need. Ooh, this one might be hard. I need a driver's license that is not a state, a state of Texas issued driver's license. Someone who doesn't have a Texas, no? I, okay, that was a, that was a tough one. I need, there, all right, I need a credit card that expires before 2020. Credit card that expires before 2020. Oh, wait, expiration date? Oh, four of 17? This doesn't, this, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. All right, two to two. And we still got zero in the middle. All right, last thing. I need... What do I need? 
I need an earring. Oh, all right. Give it up for this team over here. Here, you can take this back now. That's all I needed. All right. Okay. So it's all right to have fun in church, yeah? It's all right to have a little fun. All right, we're worked up. We're, we're eased off. This team, you guys get um, a thumbs up. That's what you win. For <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. All right. So let's go ahead. I've got a video that's going to set up the message for today. So if you would turn your eyes to the screen and lean back and relax. Look who we got. You again, wannabes. <laughs> the city already has a superhero. Perhaps you've heard of him, Captain Thank Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do yourself a favor, McGuire. Don't flip my switch tonight. Yeah. Big, big. And what exactly would that do? Don't turn around, Roy. Don't do it. Don't turn around. It's not worth it, Roy. It's not Keep worth it. It's not worth it. I think you know exactly what that would do. Check your head. What? Don't mess with the volcano, my man. Because I will go Pompeii on your butt. Oh, golly. Good. <laughs> you keep dreaming, wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> dream on, moron. I will keep dreaming. I will keep dreaming, my friend. And when I wake up, you better hope. You better hope you're asleep. Re-engage. Sweet dreams. Lilac. <laughs> so that clip is a clip from a movie called Mystery Men that I used to watch almost daily as a child. It was, I thought it was the funniest movie in the world. But in this scene, we have Mr. Furious, Ben Stiller, whose superpower is that rage overtakes him and he cannot be defeated, except for the fact that he gets really angry and then nothing else happens. Like he's not a good fighter. He's not particularly strong. He gets beat up a lot because he thinks that he has this superpower. But He's talking with the police officer, and the police officer says something very interesting to him. Did anyone catch it? He said, keep dreaming. A lot of times when you tell people your dreams or you make a bold claim about yourself or about someone else, maybe, yeah, the Falcons are going to kick the Patriots' butt in the Super Bowl, right? Like, and then someone looks at you, yeah, keep dreaming, Right? Keep dreaming. And then, of course, he says, I will keep dreaming. I will. You know, you better hope you're asleep when I wake up or whatever he says. It's a funny little clip. But all that to say, sometimes in life, we have dreams. Sometimes in life, God maybe gives us dreams. Or maybe there's something that you just really, really long for, something that you really, really desire and the world, very sarcastically, tells you to keep dreaming. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Everybody say, keep dreaming. I'm going to try that one more time. Everybody say, keep dreaming. All right, remember, rule number one is, okay, or rule number two, no talking. You don't have to listen to it if, if you are encouraging me. So we're going to open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 37. Actually, let's go... 
Before that, let's talk about, we have some suggested readings for this week. So for those of you who are going to come on Wednesday night, which you all should, it's going to be an awesome time. You're going to go ahead and uh, I encourage you to read Genesis chapter 37. Skip over 38 because that has nothing to do with Joseph. Although it is an interesting story. It's kind of weird, but you can go, you can read that if you want it. And then 39 through 46. I know it's a lot, but it's a story. It's a narrative. So it's easier, much easier to read. Go ahead while you're at it. Flip to the New Testament. You can read Hebrews chapter 13 and Philippians chapter 1. Some of that we will reference here tonight. Others, it may just be, or here this morning, not tonight. And others, it may uh, just be applicable to what you can talk about on Wednesday. But that is our suggested readings. And we also, keeping in line with the theme of this week, we have a memory verse. So our memory verse this week, everyone should have it memorized. It's not very long. Hebrews chapter 13, 20, and 21 now may the God of peace equip you with every good that you may, with every good that you may do his will. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about. Keep that in mind. Kind of a little hint to what we're going to talk about today. But go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to hang out in Genesis. We're not going to hop around a lot. I am more of a story teller. God speaks to me in stories. And so I, I like to talk in stories. So we're not going to go, you know, to Philippians and then to Revelation and then to first Corinthians. I might mention a few things here and there, but for the most part, we're going to follow right along with the story of Joseph. And we're going to glean the truth that God has for us from the story of Joseph. So Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse two, tells us that Joseph being 17 years old was pastoring the flock with his brothers. So he, first look at da- Joseph, not David, I don't know why I said that. First look at Joseph. What's the first thing we find out about him? He's 17 years old. Now, how many of you remember being 17? Anyone remember being 17 in here? How many of you made really, really, really good choices as a 17-year-old? Like, how many of you made just wonderful, life-changing, excellent, wonderful choices at 17 years old? Yeah, none of us, because it just doesn't happen. Normally, the things that we decide to do at 17 are very counterproductive to us moving forward and being a successful adult. But, so here we have Joseph, because I've always wondered, Joseph starts out the story kind of, kind of, kind of cocky, kind of arrogant, and I've always wondered how, how does this, like, cocky little kid end up becoming a hero. But then I realized he's not a cocky little kid. He's just 17. Like he is 17 and 17 year olds make terrible decisions. So here we go. Uh, finishing verse two. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. He tattletailed, right? He, ha- he was out with his brothers, his older brothers, mind you. And he goes back to dad and what's he do? He tattletales. Has anyone in here ever tattletailed before? Any of you have older brothers or sisters or younger brothers or sisters that you decided, you know what? I'm going to tell mom and dad and they're going to get in trouble. And you kind of delighted in it a little bit. Well, yeah, that's what Joseph did here. Joseph tattled to his parents. And then down in verse five, uh, after this, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers they hated him even more. So they already didn't like him, right? 
He was a tattletale. He was a little punk 17-year-old kid. And now all of a sudden, he's going to tell his brothers about this wonderful dream that he had. Now, to fill you in on the dream, he he had a dream that he was standing in a field and 12 sheaves of grain all bowed down to him. Now, there were how many tribes, how many children did Joseph's father have? He had 12. So each of the sheaves represented one of his brothers and they were bowing to him. And of course, the brothers didn't like it. They hated him even more. They got upset. They, they just, they, they didn't like it. See, God was doing something in Joseph. God was putting a dream inside of Joseph's heart. And because of this dream, he was hated. God may have put a dream in some of you. Maybe he put a dream that has, and it's been years and years and years, but that dream is there no less. Or maybe God is about to do something and place a dream or something awesome inside of you, but the world may hate you for it. We're all called to do something great for the Lord. The Lord has a wonderful plan for each of us, but that doesn't mean that the road's not going to be bumpy. I heard someone say once, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Has anyone ever heard that before? That's bull. That is the opposite of truth sometimes. The safest place to be for Jesus was on the cross. I'm sorry, the center of God's will for Jesus was on the cross, right? That wasn't safe. We like to think, we like to be comfortable as Christians. We like to feel good about ourselves and we like to feel like we have this comfy, cozy, warm faith. When the fact is that Jesus may call you to do something that will get people to hate you. The world will hate you. Jesus told us that, right? He said, they will hate you because they hated me first. So the safest place on the world, in the world is sometimes the exact opposite center of God's will, right? The, as far away from it as you can get. But we endure that resistance, right? Because when we try to achieve the dreams that God instills in us, we have to endure resistance. Joseph brothers hated him because of his dream. And people might hate you as well because of the dream that God has placed inside of you. Let's hear, look at verse 9. It says, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Some people just don't know when to quit, right? Like here we have Joseph. He, his brothers already hate him. He tells them the first dream. They hate him even more. And then bright 17-year-old idea, right? Good, a good choice that he thought and said, oh, I'm going to tell my brothers another dream in which not only they bow down to me, but also my mother and my father will bow down to me. Some people just don't learn. Remember, 17-year-olds don't make good decisions. Don't blame Joseph. It's not his fault. He just, he's 17. So then in verse 17, it says, um, well, so Joseph, he's, he goes looking for his brothers, right? This is separate. He, he's, he's got his coat, of many color, of many colors. Dad gives, the, now, let's, let's be fair. The, Joseph's father did not neglect 
Joseph brothers, they probably got really nice like Walmart or Target or Old Navy clothes. Like they probably, he, he probably sent, sent the servants to Old Navy and got them all nice new like shepherding outfits, right? But for Joseph, he sent them to like Neiman Marcus and got him like the really, really nice coat. Again, not making Joseph any more of the favorite with his brothers. And so Joseph, he has his new coat. He's telling them his dreams. His brothers are hating him more than ever because he's not only having the dreams, but he's believing the dreams. When God gives you a dream and you begin to act on it, the pressure and the resistance from the world is going to grow and become the worst it's ever been. It's going to happen. If you're not having resistance, you're probably not doing it right. The world is going to hate you when you act on the dream. But here we go. So Joseph's looking for his brothers in verse 17. And the man said, they have gone far away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went with his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from far away, and and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. That's how much they hated Joseph. Now, we say a lot of like, oh, I hate broccoli, right? We, 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 we throw the words love and hate around in our culture very easily. But no, they, they hated him. They wanted him dead. This is their brother. This isn't like the, the idiot kid next door. This is their flesh and blood, their father's son. And they hate him that much that they are willing to kill him. But of course, we know that that's not what happened. In verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he had wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Then verse 28, then Midian traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Joseph went from daddy's favorite to being thrown into a pit by his own brothers and then sold into slavery. At this point, Joseph's dreams are looking a little hopeless, right? Joseph's not thinking as he's walking behind the camel in the blazing heat on his way to Egypt in the middle of the summer about the dream that God gave him. He's thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Everybody say, keep dreaming. Say, keep dreaming. I need some volunteers. Let me see here. Um, I need a big, strong man. Jeremy, why don't you come up here? Come on up here, Jeremy. I just need you for just two seconds. And bring, bring, bring your little girl with you. Bring one of your little girls with you. All right. Everybody give Jeremy a round of applause. Thank you for coming up. We're gonna, I, I'm gonna, I want you to hold that. Kira, come on up here. I'll get out of the way. And you hold this. Stand right here. All right, what you're going to do, you're going to take the bottles, and we're going to have a contest and see who can crush it the fastest. So you're just going to... Just give me one good, one good, as hard as you can, one of these. And the, the, the one who crack, who crushes it most is the winner. All right? Face the audience. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's give him a round of applause. 
Thank you, Kira, for beating your dad and showing us a good, a good time. So, this bottle here looks probably a little bit like what Joseph dream, Joseph's dreams looked like when he got sold into slavery. It's crushed, it's crumbled, it's, it's bent to pieces. Now, Jeremy is a grown, grown man. He, he works with his hands, he's strong, and Kira is a, what, 10? 10-year-old girl. She was able to crush her bottle. See, it didn't take much to crush these dreams, right? It didn't take a lot. And yet, the bottle that Jeremy had, which was completely, I mean, it's the exact same brand, exact same bottle. They're both empty, recently empty. And yet, he was unable to do much damage to his now, Jeremy, you were up. I don't know if everyone can see, but Jeremy, you were up here. What was the difference between Kira's bottle and your bottle? Jeremy's had a lid on it, right? This one little itty-bitty thing was enough to prevent a grown man from doing something that a little girl could do. This one little piece of plastic was enough to prevent this bottle from being crushed. See, when you have dreams, when God gives you dreams, the world is going to try to crush them. It's gonna happen. It's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. And without faith, without belief in the one who gave you the dream, your dreams will be easily crushed. But when you add that little bit When you put that little bit of plastic on top and you screw it on tight, that is enough to prevent your dreams from being crushed. Everybody say, keep dreaming. Everybody say, keep dreaming. See, Joseph knew the one who gave him the dream. Joseph knew that it was God that gave him that dream. And he knew that as long as he kept dreaming... As long as he kept believing that God was going to pull him through. So let's skip forward in the story. We're now to chapter 39, verse 1. Joseph spent the whole of chapter 38 marching to Egypt, right? He spent the whole of chapter 38 in slavery. And finally, in verse 39, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man when he was in the house of the Egyptian master. We know the end of the story, right? What happens to Joseph? He becomes the second most powerful man arguably in the world at that time. Egypt was a major power, pl- uh, power player in the world scene at that point in time. And he eventually, we know, I'm sorry if I'm ruining the, end, end, the ending for anybody, but if you haven't read it, if you don't know the story, Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in the kingdom, arguably in the world. Now, if you were going to run the world you might need to know a little something about military strategy, maybe a little something of how to train troops, 
You might need to know how to command soldiers, right? That might be something Joseph would need to know if he was going to rule the world. What better place to learn how to command troops than in the house of the captain of the guard? See, God was not punishing Joseph. God was not punishing Joseph for dreaming. Sometimes when we dream big and the world lashes back and we think that it can't happen, we think that it's, it feels like we're being punished for this, right? It feels that way. But God wasn't punishing Joseph. Maybe, just maybe, God was preparing Joseph for something great that was going to happen to him in the future. Maybe right now in your situation, I don't know what it is, I don't know what your dream is. I don't know what God's spoken to you. Maybe your dream is to see all of your children come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Maybe your dream is to start a ministry that goes around the world preaching the gospel. Maybe your dream is to raise up young children to be strong men and women of the Lord and make lots of money and change the world. I don't know what your dream is. But I know that if you're feeling like your dream is too big or you're feeling like you're being punished for dreaming big, maybe, just maybe, God's not punishing you. He's preparing you. He's getting you ready for what is to come, right? Paul talks about he disciplines his body. It's not because he hates his body. It's not because runners, people who exercise, it, it hurts to work out. That's why I don't do it. It hurts. It's a pain, right? But when you work out and you lift and you run, it's not because you hate yourself. Most of the time, it's because you love your body and you want what's better for your body. And the more pain that you put your body through, the more your body is going to be able to endure and the more you are going to be able to do with your body. So sometimes, though it may seem like we're being punished, maybe God's not punishing us at all. Maybe he's preparing us. Maybe he's getting us ready for what's going to happen. What better place? What better place to be for Joseph than in the house of Potiphar? So here we go, verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on him. Fast forward to verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house were there, She caught him by his garment, but he left it behind in her hand and fled to go out of the house. Joseph, little known fact, was the first streaker in the Bible. Running around naked. (laughs) See, Joseph, he got himself in a rough situation, right? Old Mrs. Potiphar, let's call her Hotiphar, she was... Wanting her some Joseph. He was a good-looking young man, and she wanted her some Joseph. And Joseph, being a righteous man, being a dreamer, being someone who knew that God had a bigger and better plan for him, he did not get distracted by the current situation. See, when you dream, there's going to be obstacles, and obstacles don't always look like something that's bad. Am I right? Obstacles aren't always a big stop sign. Sometimes an obstacle is the lemonade stand on the side of the road. Sometimes the obstacle is the snow cone, right? Sometimes the obstacles that come in your way aren't going to be packaged as something terrible. It's going to look good. It's going to look appetizing. It's going to look delicious. And though if we are dreaming, everybody say, keep dreaming. 
if we continue to dream and we're following the dreams that God gives us, those distractions, as good as they may look, we need to see them as what they are, distractions. If Joseph had done what Hotifar wanted him to do, it would have derailed his dreams. It absolutely would have, but he said no. And I said, I don't care what happens. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to run around the town naked if it means that I don't have to do, if to fall to this obstacle. Joseph kept dreaming. He kept his eye on the prize and moved forward. But of course, we know what happened. Hadafar told her husband, he tried to rape me. He, he tried to take advantage of me. I said, no, I tried to push him away. But look, he even took off his clothes. And then, of course, we see in verse 29, I'm sorry, verse 20, and Joseph master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But here again, we see it again. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. See, when Joseph got sold into slavery, it was a dark, dreary situation, but we know the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. And then here we are, no longer in slavery, but now in prison. If there was ever a worse thing than slavery, prison's probably it. And now he's there, and it's dark, and it's awful, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to fulfill his dreams, and yet... The Lord was with Joseph. Now remember, Joseph, what was he going to be one day? Second in command of all of Egypt, right? One day he's going to take over and he's going to run the place. If you were going to be the vice president of the United States, you might need to know a little something about politics. You might need to know a little something about how Washington, D.C. runs. You might need to know the political landscape of the day if you are going to take over a position of political power. What better place to learn about the political landscape of that day in Egypt than in the prison where all of the king's prisoners went, right? We find out in just a minute that the baker and the cupholder of the Pharaoh were thrown into this prison. The cupbearer would have been there all the time. The cupbearer would have known intimate details about the king's strategy and about the king's plans and about what's going on in the court of the king. And so Joseph being there would have been privy to all the different information that was being passed and forth. He would have learned how to function in this political set piece because he was surrounded by it for years. What better place to get equipped to rule a kingdom than in prison with the people that were ruling the kingdom? See, sometimes God's not punishing you. He's preparing you. But we've already been through this, Michael. I've already been prepared. And it hurt. It was awful. Well, guess what? Sometimes God has more in store. And so it's going to take Sometimes, maybe, just maybe, God is not punishing you. God is preparing you because he has something so incredibly awesome for you that it's going to take an incredibly awesome version of you to achieve that. And so, God allows us to go through these things so that we can be prepared. Let's go to chapter 40. 
Sorry, we're, we're kind of fast forwarding through Joseph. I'm going to fill in holes when I can. So sometime after this, ooh, I got to hurry. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. So he sends the cupbearer and the baker to prison. They meet Joseph. They have dreams. Joseph knows a little something about dreams. Am I right? Everybody say, keep dreaming. So in three, uh, the, the cupbearer or the butler of the king, he tells Joseph his dream. And Joseph replies, in three days, Pharaoh will lift your head, up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Verse 14, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of his house. That's a great, great, great thing for this cupbearer, right? It sounds awesome. All of a sudden, I, yeah, I, I'm thrown in prison, but in three days, I'm going to be back in the king, and I'm going to be having a good time. That's awesome. So the baker hears that, and he says, oh, why don't you tell me what my dream means? I had a dream about three things, too. And then, of course, David says, sorry, dude, you're dead. Like, you're gonna, they're going to hang you. The birds are going to eat you. Like, you're, you're in trouble. It was a bad, bad situation. But Joseph, remember, Joseph says, to the, to the cupbearer, verse 14, only remember me when it is well with you and please mention me to Pharaoh. Fast forward to chapter 41 and we see after two more years, Two years went by. Verse 23 of the previous chapter tells us, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And then two years later, Joseph is still in the prison. He is still bound and held captive, but yet Joseph kept dreaming. How long did you hang on to the dream that God gave you before you gave it up? Let's be honest with ourselves. When you were young and God dreamed inside of you and gave you a dream, how long did you hold on to it before you let it go? A month? A year? Two years? How long? See, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. See, God does not give up on your dreams. God does not give up on your destiny. God does not give up on you, even though we do, right? We give up, we quit, we stop being faithful, and yet God never does. And Joseph this wonderful picture of what we should strive to be. Here he's spending years, some people think almost 13 to 15 years in prison, and yet he never quit dreaming. He never, everybody say, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. And so finally in verse 15, this is the culmination of it all, right? The king has a dream, he, no one can tell him what to do, and then the cupbearer goes, oh, wait, I remember this guy from like a while ago. Uh, he told me my dream and he was able to, 
he told me that I would be out in three days and here, here I was three days later serving you again. So I think he might know something. So Pharaoh, uh, in verse 15, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And here it is. Here it is, guys. In verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me, but God will give Pharaoh the favorable answer. Joseph was a wise man. He was able to tell the king exactly what to do, to tell Pharaoh exactly what to do to make sure that the land had plenty for the famine that was coming, right? That's how the story goes. The, the Egypt's going to have seven years of plenty, and then they're going to have seven years of famine. And Joseph was wise enough to counsel the king to, hey, you, need, you should pick somebody who's really wise to kind of watch over all of the food so that you will have plenty in the years of famine. That's wisdom. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God gave Joseph that strategy. It says God interpreted the dream, but nowhere does it tell us that God gave Joseph that strategy. Joseph was wise, well beyond his years. How did he get that wisdom? Maybe it was 15 years of managing a household and understanding that managing Potiphar's household, maybe we have to save some things sometimes. Maybe it was 15 years of managing a prison and understanding lack, right? It was the things that Joseph went through in his life that God allowed him to go through to prepare him for this day that gave him a favorable view by the Pharaoh, right? And then finally in verse 39, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Maybe, just maybe, God's not punishing you. He's preparing you. When God births a dream inside of you, you're going to come across obstacles. But if you keep dreaming and you stay at it and you stay faithful, good things can happen. How would you know, how would we know as Christians that God was a healer if we never got sick? How would we know that God is our provider if we never had lack? Right? How would we know the wonderful things that God has for us if we didn't have them at first? Sometimes we go through hard times so that God can show his power and show how much he loves us and show what he can do through us if we allow him to do that, right? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Ben, why don't you come on up? We got about 10 minutes left. See, this, this, this message, the message of sometimes God's not punishing us, he's preparing us. This is the message of the cross. The cross was a bloody, grotesque, awful situation. And yet, it was the greatest day, the greatest thing that God ever gave us was Jesus right? The, this picture of the cross is exactly what we're talking about. If you think that he would put his son on a cross, 
and then let you go through life with no problems and no issues and no struggles. That's a problem in your thinking because we are all his children. To all who believed, he gave the right to become children of God. And if he would put his own son on the cross, don't you think he might let you go through a little bit of problems to prepare you for what you are gonna have? This morning, I don't do this. I never do this, but I, 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 all week long, I, 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 it was in me. Well, actually, before we do this, we're gonna talk about the life lesson. This is simple. It's not very articulate. It's not very compl- complex. It's not gonna change your life. But the life lesson for this morning, keep dreaming, keep believing, keep loving, keep persevering, keep praying, keep sacrificing. Just keep going. Because if you believe and you stay the path, God is going to do something in your life. He is going to give you the chance to do something amazing. I feel like right now in this room, there are people who have lost their dream. And I feel in my spirit that God is ready to rebirth those dreams inside of you. If God has ever spoken something to your heart and you thought, I can't do that, that'll never be me. I can't do those things. If the enemy has come in and put obstacles in front of you to deny that, I'm gonna tell you this morning, God is ready, if you're willing, to give you those dreams again and to birth those dreams inside of you. I feel like there's somebody here this morning that's about to break away from depression. I feel like there's somebody here this morning that's gonna break away from addiction. I don't know what the things are that have caused you to stop dreaming. I don't know. But I do know that God never gave up on you. And so I'm gonna open the altar up and I want you to come up. If you have a dream that you wanna see, maybe you haven't given it up yet, but you're in the struggle. Maybe you're Joseph and you're sitting in Potiphar's house in slavery and you can't see how you're gonna get out of this and maintain the dream. And you just wanna be re-energized and reinvigorated to live that dream. I want you to come down to the front. We're gonna pray for you. The worship team's gonna sing a song. This song is called Dry Bones. And we're gonna speak to those dreams inside of you. Those dreams that are dead, those dreams that are gone. And we're gonna speak them as though they were. And we're gonna bring them back in the name of Jesus. So that's right now. If that's you, if you've got dreams that you want to see, if you've maybe given up, maybe the enemy's stolen it from you, I want to come on down to the front. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. God gives us all dreams. Just start singing that song. Oh, Jesus. Out to dry bones, come alive. Josh, if you wouldn't mind, come, 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 come pray. Oh, Jesus, right now we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you have not given up on us, Lord. We thank you that you are speaking dreams. You're bringing them back. You're bringing them back, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we, even though we give up, even though we see things fall and we let them go, Jesus, you will never let us go. You will never give up on our dreams, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, right now. We speak life. We speak life to these dreams. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
today. We're going to hang around a few minutes. The band's going to play for another minute or two. If you want to worship, if you want to hang out, or if you want to head to lunch, that's okay. But we love you. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.